0: Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord, the second Sunday after Epiphany. Glad you're here, and would you stand with me as we read together the call to worship responsively? The Lord is our shepherd, we lack nothing. He guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. In his us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil, our cups overflow. you pray with me help us today lord of heaven and earth to worship you in spirit and in truth you have revealed jesus as the light of the world the bread of life the way the truth and the life and the door of the sheep so we rejoice in you we're your flock accept our offerings and our praise we pray amen
1: Amen. It is great to see you as we gather for worship today. I'm going to invite you to share a word of greeting, a word of peace and grace with others who are here in worship today. Welcome uh, college students who are back. It's always good to see you. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas break and are looking forward to a great semester. We are privileged this morning to have uh, one of the college choirs here to sing for us and we'll be hearing from them in a moment. There are a few things I want to highlight uh, in the life of the church. Tonight our small groups resume meeting as well as throughout the week and there's a list of the groups in your bulletin and we'd love to have you involved in them. Uh, You don't necessarily need to call ahead. Just show up and be a part of the group. Not all the groups start today, but you'll see a list of those that do and when they meet and the contact people. Uh, Wednesday evening, all of our ministries are on a regular schedule for children and adults. Uh, We do need uh, two people to help work with the four-year-olds in our children's ministry on Wednesday night. And if you could do that from, say, 6.15 to about 7.45, about an hour and a half... Uh, It would be a great opportunity for you to interact with our children and to help them know more about God. So if you'd like to do that, you can contact Emily Hoffman or talk to me or contact the church office and we'll get you connected to the right people uh, to assist with that ministry. There is uh, another insert in your bulletin about our upcoming missions convention in a few weeks. And this has information about some things that are happening there. This year, our convention is focusing more on local ministries, and particularly the inner city of Buffalo. And we are connecting with some of the ministries there. Uh, great work's going on there, but obviously more and more that needs to be done. We are uh, sponsoring a, a trip up there on the 29th. Uh, and on February 8th is a workday, and if you're interested in going to either or both of those, you can uh, tear off the thing at the bottom there, drop in the offering plate a little later, or hand it to me or one of the pastors, or you can just contact the church office and we'll get you on the list of people who are going. And we'd love to have a, a good group of people head up for each of those events. There are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin and uh, we especially want to pray for those who are uh, dealing with illness and pain, surgeries, recovery, and those who are grieving. And to this list, we want to add uh, Tammy Dunmire and her family. Tammy's grandfather died uh, Thursday morning after a lengthy illness and then two days later on Saturday, her grandmother died. And so also after an illness. So they are having a combined funeral tomorrow up in Maine. And I know that Tammy and her family would appreciate our prayers as uh, they go through this time of grief and loss.
0: Thank you, Kevin, and the Combined Men's and Women's Choir of the College. We didn't break into applause, but I know we felt excited and we liked it. (laughs) Appreciate you coming. Our Old Testament Scripture reading is from Psalm 118. Psalm 118, starting in the middle at verse 19. Psalm 118, the word of the Lord. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous and in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows and hands, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. The pastor's going to lead us.
1: I invite you to join me in the prayer of confession. That is printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together. Eternal God, you are reconciling all things to yourself. By entering our world, you reveal the depths of your love to us. In your coming, you give us life and call us your children. You have been faithful to us, but we confess that we have not been faithful to you. You want to transform us into new creations, but we are content with the old. You want to take us to new depths, but we have settled for the surface. You have set us free, but we hold on to the chains of our past. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins. Those we confess, those we hide. Help us to live as citizens of your kingdom that we may see your glory and your love. Amen. As the ushers come forward to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings, I invite you to stand as we sing, to Gloria, sing the Gloria Patri. Father, it is an awesome world that you have created and the people you have created in it. You have blessed us beyond measure. May our thoughts, our words, our actions, our gifts be pleasing to you. be expressions of gratitude and bring glory to your name. Amen. Please be seated. of opportunity to pray together, and as we do so, if you would like to use the altar rail as your place of prayer, please join me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have created us in your unfailing love. You rule over us in your unfailing love. You communicate with us in your unfailing love. We thank you that your heart is love. We come today recognizing your greatness, the love that you've poured out upon us. And we ask that you would help this love to go deep into our hearts. Father, we come today with a lot of things on our collective minds anxiety about the future, frustrations about the past, fear about what might lie ahead. illness and pain, grief and loss. We think about tasks that are undone. We think about relationships that are not where we wish they would be. We think about circumstances of life that disappoint us, burden us. Today we come and we, we place all of these things at your feet, knowing that you are the answer, the solution to each of them. We pray that you will heal all who are sick and struggling with illness. We pray that you will comfort all who are grieving. We pray that you will bring healing to our relationships and peace and hope in our fears and anxiety. Father, on this Sunday when we especially think of the sanctity of human life, we pray that you will make us people who care about all of life. That we will have a passion for the life of the unborn and the born. That we will have a passion for life about people we may like or dislike, about people we agree with or disagree with. And in our commitment to life, make us people who express all of our opinions and thoughts in a spirit of love. We also pray on this weekend when we honor the memory of Dr. King. We ask that you would, you would remind us of the calling of his life and the ways in which his life transformed much of our nation. We thank you for the progress that has been made and yet we lament how far we still have to go. We pray, Father, that you would, in your grace and in your mercy, release us from the fears and struggles that create racism and prejudice and bias, all the ways in which we divide ourselves from one another. And we ask that you will bring about restoration that there will be bridges constructed instead of walls that this will be will begin in us father we thank you that you hear our prayers We thank you that you are the solid rock on which we rest and on which our faith rests. Continue to work in us. Transforming us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. In whose name we offer this prayer. And all of our prayers and the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our father
0: Our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of John. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of the Gospel. Remain standing for the hymn. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock, the flock and it scatters. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's join us.
1: Please be seated if you were here a month or so ago you might think that I'm enamored with the royal family but I 'm really not uh, I just have been intrigued as i've watched as I watched the scenes this summer of The birth of the the new prince and all of the stuff that went on with that. And I mentioned a few weeks ago about how, you know, the announcement was taken from the hospital to Buckingham Palace. And what uh, I was watching some news program, probably the Today Show or something one morning as all this was unfolding is before the, the baby been born. And they were talking about they were focusing on the door of the hospital. And there's a picture of it right here. This door, this famous door. And out of the, eventually, out of this door came the person who made the announcement that the baby had been born. And in the next picture, you can see just a bit of the crowd of photographers and news people. And I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of people who were cordoned off across the street, all of them focusing on this door. And as they were talking about this and you know, speculating about when the baby would be born and all of that... One of the people on the Today Show said, this is the most watched door in the world. And the light went on for me when I heard that. I thought, oh, that's interesting. The most watched door in the world. That got me thinking about doors. You know, we don't really think a lot about doors until something like that comes up. We don't think a lot about about what doors might be. We, You know, we're, doors are interesting to us if we... And you can see some pictures here going around of some of the doors of the world. You can even catch a little bit of where the country is as these doors go up. That's whole building made of doors. That's a different kind of doors. <laughs> you know, you, you, you have the doors are something we don't think a lot about. Unless someone's chasing you and you can get behind the door, or it's really cold and you close the door off to keep the heat in, how many doors are in your house? Do you know off the top of your head? I'd be surprised. I didn't know. I went, I went home and counted 19 doors in our house. I got curious, so I went around the church and counted how many doors were in the church. I counted 129. That one makes 130 But I got to be honest with you, I was going in and out of rooms. Did I count that door? I can't remember. It's opening to different places, so don't hold me to that. We We just don't think a lot about doors. And yet, what would life be without doors? Doors are important, both when they're open and when they're shut. One of the things that is interesting about doors is that when a door is closed, we look at it and we wonder, what's behind that door? And opening the door is a means of revelation. We see through. And what we, if we didn't know what was behind it, now we see what's behind it. And as I was thinking about all of this stuff with doors, it struck me that this is, this is an apropos metaphor for epiphany. Epiphany is all about revelation. It is about the manifestation of God. It is about God revealing himself to people through Christ. Dr. Walters talked a lot about that last week. And how Christ comes to reveal who God is. It's important for us to know that because we have such skewed views of God. God. Originally, when God created Adam and Eve, they had a perfect understanding of God. When God spoke, they knew exactly what he meant. When God did something, they interpreted it perfectly. But when sin entered the world, we ended up with, as David Seaman says, damaged receptors. And our antenna by which we understand God and see God and know God and experience God and, and, and... figure out God, become twisted and torn and skewed and broken. God's message is the same. We just can't get it. And God understands that. And so he he goes about trying to help us understand who he is. And so he speaks to Noah and Abraham and Jacob and Joseph, Moses. And then he gathers a people around him. He calls a people and says, I'm going to invest myself in this group of people so that the world will know what I'm like. And as they understand me and as they encounter me and as we build a relationship together, the rest of the world will see what I'm like. But they don't get it either. And they reject him and so God sends prophets to try and help people understand and they're rejected and ultimately God sends Jesus. And Jesus is the perfect revelation, the perfect manifestation of God because he is God. And at Christmas we celebrate the coming of Christ into this world. In Epiphany we celebrate the life of Christ. How he lives, what he says, what he reveals to us about God. so that our damaged receptors might begin to be healed. We might know God and see God and understand God as He truly is. One of the books that had great influence on me in seminary was A.W. Tozer's little volume, The Knowledge of the Holy, and describing attributes of God. And he begins that book with this sentence. Whatever comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Whatever comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I think he's right. Everything of life comes out of our view of God. Our priorities, our motivation, our relationships, everything about our lives comes back to our view of God. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about someone who is fully committed to being a disciple of Christ or someone who has declared themselves to be an atheist. In the very act of declaring themselves to be an atheist, they are rejecting God. And so therefore, their thoughts of God are directing how they live their lives. And the world, you look back on how, how people and groups of people, our, our images of God, our understandings of God have shaped how we've treated other people. How we've lived out our lives, our priorities, our motivations, everything about us. And one of the great, the great question of life is what is God like? It is so central to our understanding of how to live, to understand what God is like. And Epiphany tells us that God is continually revealing himself in Christ, this perfect picture of what God is like. And so over the course of the next few weeks, I want to think about some of the, some of the door images in Scripture that help us understand a little bit more of what God is like as he reveals himself to us through the ages, ultimately in Jesus. Today, I want to begin with this passage in John 10. I just want to just very briefly talk about one part of it. There's a whole lot of things we could talk about here. But Jesus says... In verse 6, he says, he's talking to them about being the shepherd of the sheep. They didn't quite get it. They didn't understand it. So he gives them another metaphor. And he says, I am the door to the sheep. Some translations have gate. It means gate, door, same thing. I am the door for the sheep. And there are a lot of things we could talk about related to what that means. But what? struck me as I was pondering this passage and, and reading on as to what, John, what Jesus is saying. He says that he's the door of the sheep and, and because he's the door, the sheep go in and out in freedom and find nourishment. And he goes on in verses 9 and 10 and says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I come so that you might have life. And not just any life, but abundant life. When Jesus talks about being the door, I think one of the things that is forefront about that is that he comes to set us free. He comes to to call us to be people who live lives of freedom, to go in and out and find nourishment now you would think as, as the door, as the sheep are coming in and out, there's risk involved in that. And there is risk involved in it. But freedom always involves risk. If you don't have risk, you don't really have freedom. Because you have control. And too often the church has not communicated clearly enough, in my mind, the freedom that is ours in Christ. The church has often tried to control people. We've created rules and said, these rules are, well we don't say this with our words, but underneath them we are saying, these rules are more important than Jesus is. Obeying these rules is what makes you a believer. Obeying these rules is what is most important. And, the, and it's not that the rules are necessarily wrong, we've just changed the focus. The focus is no longer on Christ who reveals to us who God is. It's on our desire to want to control Christ and to control the kingdom because we like to control things. And Jesus keeps telling us, I want to set you free. I want you to live in freedom. Too often, the way the Christian life is described for us it feels more like bondage than freedom and we hear Jesus talking here and in other places it's about freedom one of the issues we have is that we tend to think of freedom as I do whatever I want when I want where I want and we think freedom is about me it's all about what I get it's a very self-centered mindset I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about the kind of freedom that allows us to let go of our lives. The kind of freedom that trusts him enough to say, I can give myself away. I can love whether I'm loved in return or not. I can give, I can hold the things that I have lightly. And that's freedom. If you know of anyone who is a hoarder, I don't think anyone would say they're they're living in freedom. In fact, their whole life is wrapped around trying to keep what they have. And trying to keep getting more of it and protecting it and holding on to it. It's not freedom, that's bondage. And Jesus says, that's not the life I have for you. My life for you is about freedom. It's about letting go. It's about giving yourself away. And how do we do that? Why would we do that? Because quite frankly, in human nature, it doesn't make any sense to give ourselves away. That's not how we naturally think. Naturally, we think, I've got to protect myself. We can give ourselves away because the one who says, I am the door, is also the one who says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And that changes the picture. We are not letting go of our lives and giving up, losing. We're letting go of our lives for Christ to fill us. We can give ourselves away because we know we're loved by the one who willingly gave his life for us. Who loves us unconditionally. Who is for us and with us, and nothing will ever change that. And when you know that kind of security, you can give yourself away. Because whatever you give away can't compare to what we are getting from Christ. And I think God would love to see His church. To see his church be people who are so enamored with Christ the door and the freedom and the life that is ours in him that we, are, we become people who have a reputation for giving ourselves away. Freedom. Freedom to love. Freedom to care. Freedom to feel compassion. freedom and That's why we come to this table today Because at this table we come face to face with the broken body and the shed blood of Christ who gave his life for us At this table we encounter Christ who has willingly given himself Out of love for us, He has given Himself so that He can change us and transform us and fill us so that we can now live in freedom. We come to this table and find a new image of who God is and what God is like as the lover of our souls. As the shepherd of the sheep, the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. That is the kind of God that Jesus reveals to every one of us. And at this table, we come and we find grace. At this table, we come and we find love. At this table we come and we find freedom. At this table we come and we find challenge. We find truth. We come to this table thinking sometimes we are looking for God when all the while he is seeking us. And desiring us. In the problem of pain, Lewis wrote, uh, I've come to believe that the world exists not so that we can love God, but so that God can love us. And I'm convinced if that truth can get into us, it will set us free. And we will be people who live in the joy and the life And the nourishment of that freedom. So whether you have been a believer for a few months or decades. Hear God's call to release your false images of God. To receive the love that's ours in Christ. And to let him set you free. And if you have not yet made that step of following Christ and trusting Christ, he is calling you. Calling you to freedom and to joy and to life. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have given to us done for us poured out upon us in Christ forgive us for the times when we feel more secure in our own in the bondage of our own ways than in the freedom of your love Open our eyes to your loving and gracious invitation. We pray, Father, that you will pour out the abundance of your blessing on the bread and the cup of which we are about to partake. Let it be food for our souls Let your spirit speak deeply into our beings that we might gain a clearer, truer understanding of who you are and of what you desire for us. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to receive communion this morning by the mode of intention. just means to dip in. As you're released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it. And then you may return to your seat by the outside aisles. If you'd like to stay and pray, the altar rail is always open. If coming to the front is difficult for you, we have trays of bread and cups, and we're happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the usher know as your row is released. We also have some gluten-free wafers here and some cups of juice. And if uh, that is an issue for you, just let me know as you come forward, and we will serve you those. I always like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. This might be the first time you've ever worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to God, with the desire for the grace of God to be manifest in your heart, then come, receive these gifts from our gracious, loving Heavenly Father. I invite you to stand as we sing together the closing hymn, number 49.